The following message is from the audio teaching library of the Briarwood Pulpit, a ministry of the Briarwood Presbyterian Church in Birmingham, Alabama. Our speaker is Dr. Harry Reeder, Senior Pastor of Briarwood Presbyterian Church. It is our hope and prayer that this message will equip and encourage you in your walk with Christ, and as a result, you will be used by our Lord as an instrument of change to further His kingdom and bring honor and glory to the name of Christ. Here now is our pastor-teacher, Harry Reeder. Would you remain standing, please, for the reading of God's Word from 1 Corinthians chapter 11, if you'll turn there with me. Children, you can be dismissed to the children's church as you would so desire up through that third grade. They're there to welcome you and spend time there. Just go to my left. They'll be there with you. The rest of you, if you'll go to 1 Corinthians 11, if you're visiting with us and don't have a Bible, we've provided a pew Bible for you to use. Just turn to page 958 and you'll be right with us. There's a note sheet that's also there if you'd like to use that in this uh, homily, uh, kind of a short sermon to bring us uh, with focus from the words of the institution of the Lord's Supper to the Lord's Supper itself. Look with me now to 1 Corinthians chapter 11 and verse 17. But in the following instructions, I do not commend you because when you come together, it's not for the better, but for the worse. For in the first place, when you come together as a church, I hear that there are divisions among you. And I believe it in part. For there must be factions among you in order that those who are genuine among you may be reconciled, may be recognized. When you come together, it's not the Lord's Supper that you eat. For in eating, each one goes ahead with his own meal. One goes hungry, another gets drunk. What? Do you not have houses to eat and drink in? Or do you despise the church of God and humiliate those who have nothing? What shall I say to you? Shall I commend you in this? No, I will not. For I receive from the Lord what I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus, on the night when he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way also, he took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat the bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Whoever, therefore, eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty concerning the body and blood of the Lord. Let a a person examine himself then and so eat of the bread and drink of the cup. For anyone who eats and drinks without discerning the body, eats and drinks judgment on himself. This is why many of you are weak and ill, and some have died. But if we judged ourselves truly, we would not be judged. But when we are judged by the Lord, we are being disciplined, so that we may not be condemned along with the world. So then, my brothers, when you come together to eat, wait for one another. If anyone's hungry, let him eat at home. So that when you come together, it will not be for judgment about the other things. I'll give you directions when I come. The grass withers, the flower fades. The word that's been read in your hearing is the word of God. It abides forever by his grace and mercy. May it be preached for you. Please be seated. 
Just a few thoughts to come to the Lord's Supper from this text this morning. We call this the words of institution because in this text there is such clarity about the Lord's Supper being given by the Apostle Paul. And like so many things, this is not only historic as he is in Ephesus writing a letter back to the church where he had ministered for 18 months. And that was, of course, the church at Corinth. And in his absence, some things have fallen apart. So he's writing a letter back to them. This letter will address seven issues. So when you read through 1 Corinthians, you'll read that introduction in chapters 1 and 2. And then just keep on the lookout for this phrase. Now concerning this. There's seven of them. He is correcting seven issues there at the church at Corinth. And one of them was their abuse of the Lord's Supper. And it had become so abusive that the Lord's Supper, which is a divinely designed instrument as a means of grace. Did you see how many times I read when you celebrate it, it's to be for the better and not for the worse. But the way they were doing it, it had become worse. Now, what had made it worse? They had come to the Lord's Supper and instead of humbling themselves at the level ground of the cross, they attempted to exalt themselves even in the midst of Holy Communion. Now, the early church, one of the practices that was very prevalent was the practice of of having a meal. In fact, they used to even call it the agape feast. The Lord's Day for them was not an hour here and an hour there. It was a whole day. So they would come together for worship. Then they would have a meal. And after that meal, they would finish with the Lord's Supper, communion. Then they would have more preaching and more fellowship and more worship. And so what was happening is in the meal preceding the Lord's Supper after worship, people began to use that meal to show off their means, what they had access to. The wine that they brought, the food that they brought, and they would look down on those who had very little to bring. Instead of sharing at such a moment, they began to exalt themselves. And then it was carrying over into the relationships and divisions. He says, now, listen, I know that there are some divisions because in every church there's a mixed multitude. He said, there are some who were there by false profession. So God will approve those who know him and those who don't. But this kind of division, he said, is of the flesh. And it is so bad that where God has designed his blessing to flow, he's now having to come in judgment and discipline. Now, note the difference. It's not the judgment that the world gets apart from Christ. That's called the judgment of condemnation. No, this is the judgment of a father disciplining wayward children who are in rebellion against them. He said it's extended to the point that some of you are weak. I think he's speaking of spiritual impotency. Some of you are ill. He's speaking of physical problems. Some of you have even died. The Lord has done all of that, really, that discipline of grace because of what you're doing, because you haven't come to the supper. Now, watch in a manner worthy. Not come as worthy. No, one of the points of the supper is for us to tell the Lord we're not worthy. 
But when you come to the Lord in the supper, you come in a manner worthy. And in case you miss what it is, the next sentence tells you, you come prepared, examining yourself, not promoting yourself, but examining yourself. He said, I want you to come together, not for the worse. I want you to come together for the better. That's what I want you to do. Well, folks, I wish I had a lot of time for, with this on you, but praise the Lord, I get to do this over ten times every year. So I'll get back to it. And what I have to put on the cutting room floor this morning, I'll come back to in our other celebrations throughout the year. But just a couple of thoughts with you from this text about how the Lord's Supper today, right now, as you come, can be for the better. There are five principles and perspectives you need to have in your mind. I'm only going to enumerate them this morning. Let me give you the first one. When you come to the Lord's Supper, you come as a congregation. You know, we don't even when we go to shut ins. Did y'all know that the elders have ordained the call to worship so that Mark Cushman, our pastor care and myself, we will go gather some elders and some members of the church to go to that home where the people are shut in and we will actually have a worship service because the Lord's Supper is not a matter of private administration. Notice how many times did he say? When you come together, those who have been called out of darkness have been called together in Christ. In other words, now, I hope some of you hear, oh, when we gather together and we do divine worship and you're sitting there. Didn't Harry say last Sunday that at that moment, God wants us to identify as what we are because of Christ, a family. So we congregate as a family. The Lord's Day is a family reunion to sit at the banquet of praise and worship. And then Sunday periodically, he doesn't tell us how often, he says, for as often as you eat this bread, that gathering of the banquet of the family is topped off with a focused approach to the Lord's Supper. We don't do it superficially because then you'll come in a manner unworthy. We don't just tack it on. We don't treat it superficially. We don't treat it superstitiously. What we do is treat it with its sacred substance and its sacred design as a means of grace. And that means of grace begins with how you prepare to come. How do you come? I'm coming with the family. Now, boy, you can really see how this starts to play into the next couple of days, don't you? I mean, what are you going to be doing? I mean, hopefully you'll be able to do this to at least some degree, be able to get the family together for Thanksgiving. Well, Harry, we're short a couple. Call me. I'll come over, fill in a seat. No problem. Uh, Just just let me know what the menu is. I don't do Italian and I don't do Mexican, but everything else, just put it out and I'm ready to go. And so I know many of you do, but I don't. So, uh, but praise the Lord, it's the family getting together at table fellowship. Now, maybe yours isn't like ours, but when I was growing up and then the family that God's allowed me to have, we don't leave. We just sit there, meals over, and we just talk and we fellowship. We tell the same stories we told last time, except they're a little bigger and a little better. That's all. Well, you see, we get together for table fellowship. 
We tell one story and it gets better every time. It's the old, old story. The body and blood of Christ given for you. The family. Secondly, not only do we get together as a congregation, family together, but secondly, we come with a celebration. Here is this bread. Now, we don't treat it superstitiously. We don't have the view that when the preacher says certain words, these elements change into the body and blood of Christ physically. We don't say that. I mean, just look, when Jesus put the communion and he said, this is my body, where was Jesus' body? Right there at the head of the table. or He was there at the table. So it's not a super, it's, it's you spiritually by faith participate in feeding upon the blessings of Christ's body. Those blessings of his body where he bore all of your sins in his body. That unleavened bread tells you he's removed your sins. That texture ingested, you are now spiritually ingesting the blessings of Christ that were preached to you to bring you to the table. Then you take the cup. I have all kind of people come, well, Harry, do y'all use grape juice or real wine? And I said, you know, folks, you're missing the point. I mean, okay. Let's use the grape juice. Leave it out three days. You'll get a little sting to it. That's okay. That, that's fine. But listen, guys, that's not the point. It's the fruit of the vine, which is what? God chose it carefully. The point's not alcoholic content. The point is the taste. It is bitter sweet. We're reminded of our sins and the bitterness. And we are reminded... That Jesus' blood has forgiven us. And his grace, so sweet, is greater than our sins. So we're celebrating our redemption at the cross. The death. See, you proclaim the Lord's death. Why? Because there at the cross, that's where we want it. That's ground zero for us. There, the love of God met the holiness of God to satisfy God, to save sinners by the grace of God, to the glory of God. That's what we're remembering and celebrating. See, it's so easy during the week, isn't it? I know if you're serious about Jesus, you get discouraged because you find yourself doing what you don't want to do. The evil you're doing, you don't want to do it. And then, Lord, how do I get free from this body of death? And he keeps reminding you, get back to me. Get back to me. Keep your eyes on Jesus and remember the cross. The gospel is the word of the cross where the atonement was made. And Christ's righteousness is sent to us. So we have this celebration of our redemption. That then, see, now when you know you're saved by grace, what does that free you up to do? That goes to number three. That means we can now do contemplation. We can examine ourselves. You see, if you are sitting here today and you think you're going to heaven because of how, how great your works are, you'll never be able to examine yourself. You'll keep covering up your sin. Just like Adam and Eve, go, let me find some fig leaves and sew it up, cover myself up. <laughs> but when Jesus came calling on them, what did they say? We were naked. No, you weren't. You had fig leaves. But they didn't work. Our works righteousness never works. We can't cover up our sin. 
But when you know you're saved by grace through the finished work of Jesus, now you're free to examine yourself. Pastor, contemplate, contemplation and examination. Where do I do it? Do it in two directions. Examine yourself vertically and your walk with the Lord and your intimacy with the Lord. And ask God to show you any of the sins that are separating your intimacy with him. Secondly, ask God to show you your sins in the body. My immediate family, God's family. Where do I have ought that I need to do away with it? Where do I where do I need to forgive? And you forgive. Isn't it glorious when we confess our sins to the Lord? What does he say? He is faithful and Don't miss that word. Please get it. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just. In other words, he doesn't say, "Okay, let's try again. No, he says you're forgiven. Justice demands you're forgiven because Jesus paid for it. Now, that means I'm free to examine myself and I'm free to examine my relationships in the body. So how do how is my relationships there? Where I've sinned against someone, forgive me. And folks, one of the greatest blessings of this is when you forgive. Somebody comes and they say, forgive me. And you say to them, I forgive you because Christ has forgiven me. And the body gets unified, reconciled, instead of divided. Then the fourth thing, I'll do this quickly. The fourth thing is we confess. We conf- we do our contemplation. We arrive at our confession to the Lord and to each other. And that leads us to the fifth, which is consecration. Now I'm refreshed. Now I'm renewed. Now I can re. Here's what I like to say to people. When you come to the table, it's revival time. It's reconciling time. It's renewal time. And it's recalibration time. See, if you're serious about following Jesus, it's very easy to get detoured and begin to rely on ourselves. He's bringing you back to rely upon him. And it's also very easy to get discouraged. So he's bringing you back to remind you, you're not who you are because of what you do. You are who you are because of what I did for you. Now that sets you free to do what you do, not to be somebody, but for your Savior. Now you're free to grow in him and for him. So there's a time of consecration. Boy, I wish I had a lot of time for this. I don't, so I'm just going to give you these things. People come to me all the time, and they'll say to me, Harry, it's pretty obvious that you need some help from the Lord. And I do. So have you been able to grow? Have you been able to grow? So I'm going to tell you how I've been able to grow. I haven't grown perfectly. I haven't grown evenly. It's been uneven. It's been up. It's been down. But praise God, I'm still at it 40-something years later by His grace and for His glory. These five things is what I have done. So let me give them to you. I'm just going to give them to you. Number one is this. And that's why the Lord's Supper is so wonderful. Fix your eyes on Jesus. He's your hope. He's your life. He's not only your hope and your light. He's your life. 
I have been crucified with Christ and it is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. Don't you love what you just sang? You did know it, didn't you? Christ is my all in all. Not he's at the top of the list of all. He is my all and he is in all. So there's where I find my fix your eyes on Jesus. He's not just given you your life. He is your life. Secondly, after you fixed your eyes on Jesus, remember to flee temptation. You're going to note some F's here. Um, flee temptation. Not only fix your eyes on Jesus, flee. Don't resist temptation. Flee it. Don't see how close to the cliff you can walk and keep your balance. Get on the highway in, in, inside the, uh, that's away from the cliff. You don't walk next to it. You get away from it. Flee temptation. And not only do you flee temptation, but thirdly, get filled up with God's word and God's spirit. Get filled up with the, with the, with the word of God and the spirit of God. Filled to overflowing. Folks, let me ask you. If you're a Christian, are you still a broken vessel? Say yes. Thank you. Christian, are you a broken vessel? Do you want to be filled up with Jesus? All right, let me ask you a question. If a broken vessel is broken, what does a broken vessel do? It leaks. And here's the way a lot of us are doing it. We come every once in a while to the Bible and to prayer, and we just try to throw it in and it just empties out. How do you fill up a broken vessel? There's only one way. Only one way to fill up a broken vessel. You know it, don't you? We got Auburn engineers here. I know you know it. The way you fill up a broken vessel is you submerge it. You immerse it. Then it fills up and around and it loses nothing. Be submerged and immersed in the Word of God and the Spirit of God. That's what fills us up. Number four, get my three M's. Get models from the Bible. Get models from church history. Get mentors. You know one of the great blessings of this church? I know where our growth is in the younger couples. We've had to add a couple of new congregational communities of younger couples, and I praise God for that. But you know what? I, I can also see some older faces here. So we can do Titus too. Older men teach the what? Younger men. Older women do what? Teach the younger. Oh, well, Harry, I'm 28. What does that mean? Go get somebody 38, 48. 58, 68, and go get somebody 18 and mentor them. Models, mentors, and then number three, motivators. Get some brothers and sisters. Men, get some men who will surround you as a band of brothers to hold you accountable and love you and pray for you. Women, get that circle of sisters around you that will hold you accountable and pray for you and work with you. And then number five, the Lord's Day. I know you're going to think, well, Harry's just working on job security here. I am not. The Lord's Day. Every Lord's Day.
please, I beg you, not as a pastor, I beg you as someone that learned this before I became a pastor, make the Lord's Day special. Do a deep dive. Don't just wade in for an hour on Sunday morning. So here I go to Briarwood. It's 72 minutes. It ain't no hour. Well, okay, don't do it for 72 minutes. Folks, do the deep dive. He didn't say the Lord's hour. He said the Lord's day. Make it special for you and your family. That's why Christians historically dress different. It's not to flaunt money. It was dressed different because the day is different. It's not every day. This is the day that sets the thermostat for the other days. This is the day I do a deep dive to hear God's word sung, confessed, read, preached, displayed in the sacraments. I do the deep dive to get submerged in the word and the spirit and filled up to overflowing. Make it special for your family. Make it special for you. Start it on the night before when you're preparing. Enter into the Lord's day to rest physically and be renewed spiritually. That's how he made you. Six, one, six, one. And the Lord's day says this. He is risen. He's coming again. He'll be with me until he comes again. Now let's come to his table. Taste and see. The Lord is good. Let's pray. Father, thank you for the privilege to come to the table. Would you come and minister to us by your word and through your spirit, even in these moments? God, unite us together in Christ where we have wandered, renew us, refresh us, and reconcile us to yourself, recalibrate us in our life, and any ought that we have against each other, help us at this table, give it to you. And any place we need to forgive, help us from this table to give what's been freely given to us, forgiveness. And then, Father, at this table... Fix our hearts, our mind, and our souls on Jesus. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. You have been listening to a message by Harry Reeder, Senior Pastor of Briarwood Presbyterian Church in Birmingham, Alabama. For more information on the resources available through Briarwood Presbyterian Church, or for more information on the teaching ministry of Pastor Reeder, visit us at briarwood.org or call 205-776-5200.